Thank you, Jesus. Exodus chapter 13. That's where we're going to be this morning. One of the places we'll be, and we'll just flip through the scripture. Thank you for your faithfulness and for being in the house of God. You're given. Um, since two Wednesday nights ago, um, God has been good to us. Um, we have a goal to reach 30 days. $50,000, well, I can tell you we're at 20000 after three services, amen? <laughs> Let me tell you just a couple things, just the way that God does things is um, Friday, received a phone call, I didn't know who it was at first, I didn't have the numbers stored, got a new phone, and um, anyway, they said, I'm headed to church, going to give some money. Hadn't seen this person in about six or eight months and met him on the front porch of the church and gave $2,000 and $100 bills. <laughs> we got to talking a little bit and this person said, hold on a minute, I got another 1000 in my truck I got to go get. <laughs> Amen. $3,000. Amen. Just brought to the house of God. Amen. Me and Stevens out in front of SNS, we hadn't talked, we sat there and talked for an hour and a half, I think. And uh, yesterday morning, and lo and behold, here come a vehicle pulling up. I think I saw somewhere on Facebook that if 250 people, amen, and, uh, and this person just went on and on, and he said, I, I, I said to myself or told God or something, if I see Jerry Jenkins or Stephen Taylor somewhere, I'm just going to give them some money. He said, lo and behold, I got both of you at one time, amen. Pulled his wallet out and started giving money. <laughs> I said, praise God, check, amen. One, two, check, one, Who would have two, ever check, thought? Check. Amen. I can tell you, thank God, amen. I, I don't check, know. That check, sister one, from New York, she wrote check, a long card check. thanking us for her second church and check, her seat of $200, $200 was in there, amen. <laughs> Excited, so just thank God, amen, for everything that God is doing. And so we're 30000 away. Um, but that's nothing for God, Amen. nothing for God. Amen. And, um, if he can get 20,000 like that, folks, you hadn't seen in six or eight months, um, I can promise you he, he's got it under control. Amen. Amen. He knows he's going to build that church. Amen. Amen. And it won't be built in vain. Amen. It's going to be supernatural. God told us three years ago. Amen. He said, nobody will be able to lay, lay claim to it. You know, because it's just going to come from people pulling in the parking lot at S&S and said, here's your $100. Put on that church. <laughs> Amen. It's going to be like that. So, uh, anyway, I, I'm excited about what God is doing. And uh, I hope that you are. I, I know that you are. And um, Don't forget, 5 o'clock Sunday school today and 6 o'clock our prayer meeting. And thankful for all that God is doing. Amen. Um, God just spoke something into my spirit this week. I was um, reading and just praying there, and, and I just I felt just really impressed of the Lord, and he kind of he spoke this to me. He said, one of the great dangers of the enemy is he'll pull you into a battle that's not yours to ever fight. He'll pull you into a battle that don't belong to you, and he'll get you to fight battles that you're not supposed to be fighting. And... Um, and a lot of times, we'll, we'll even tell the devil, come on. <laughs> you know, and that's dangerous because we're asking for a battle that God don't want us to fight. You see, he's the one that takes care of the devil. He just equips us and gives us the armor to withstand the wiles of the devil. You see, whenever Joshua was on the battlefield, it was up to Moses to be in the position and to praise God. So there's somebody always fighting with us and for us. Simon helped Jesus bear his cross. You have to be burden bearers. We have to be burden bearers and help one another out. Amen? And, and so there are battles. One of the greatest tactics of the enemy and is what the enemy uses is passion and zeal. He will use that to get us to step off into places and we'll rise up thinking that we're going to help God out. I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me today. God don't need our help. He needs my humility. 
He don't need me to help him do anything. He just needs me to be humble. And if I'll be humble, then God will use me. But I have to be humble because God can't use a prideful person. And so God don't need my help. If I think God needs my help, then I'm prideful. God don't need our help. God wants us. God needs us. But he don't need our help in helping him in the battle. Amen. So don't think that, that, that any of us are that special that we're going to win some war for God. No, God's already won the war. Amen. Jesus said it was finished. It's a, it's a done deal. Now we just have to walk in the finished work of Christ. Amen. And so um, I just titled this message today, God Knows Best. <laughs> Very simple. This isn't going to be some. you're not going to be wowed. All right. But let me just say, God Knows Best. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes we just need some ABCs of Christianity. And that is God knows best. Amen. And we have to know that just because you see a battle don't mean it's for you to fight. Just let some things go. Amen. We don't have to fix everything. Some things you just have to let God have it and handle it. Amen. So Exodus chapter 13. Did I say 13 earlier? Okay. Exodus chapter 13, I'll read a couple verses here. Um, I'm going to read this out of, out of the King James and out of the Living Bible. I'm going to read first out of the Living Bible. It says, so at last Pharaoh let the people go. Amen. A lot of times we get excited that we've been let go. And so then we take matters in our own hands immediately. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Well, I got free. And so now I'm just going to run ahead of God. How many times do we do that? The enemy let me go. Boy, that means I must have victory. No, you had not had the victory yet. You have not got the victory yet just because Pharaoh let you go. Don't mean he's still not there, Sister Karen. Amen. Exodus 13, verse 17. Did I confuse you? I'm sorry. Oh, my bad. Exodus 13, verse 17 and 18. Y'all got it now? Y'all sorry. I'm sorry. I need to start with ABCs. I need to, I need to go to school. <laughs> Amen. Exodus, verse chapter 13, verse 17 and 18. Is that good? All right. If you're there, say amen. All right. So at last, Pharaoh let the people go. God did not lead them through the land of the Philistines. Although, somebody say although. although. That was the most direct route from Egypt to the promised land. The reason was that God felt God knows best. Amen. Amen. The reason was, there was a reason behind why God's doing what He's doing. So whatever you're going through right now, there's a reason behind it. God knows best. We may not understand it, but God knows best. We always think shorter's better. Let me tell you, taking shortcuts in Christianity will get you in a lot of trouble. Gets us in a lot of trouble. Amen. So the reason was, that God felt the people might become discouraged by having to fight their way through. Even though they had left Egypt armed, some of us think that we're ready for war and we're really not. <laughs> Amen. This happens a lot with young Christians because they're on fire. And we automatically think that we deserve positions and when we don't get it, then we get mad. We look for things and we get mad. Amen. We get our feelings hurt because we all, we all, amen. You know what? I mean, a lot of times I don't talk about my five years at Dunkland. But I, I can promise you it didn't just start in a pulpit. I didn't know John 3.16. There's no way I could preach 18 years ago. Amen. I got saved in jail. God sent me to Dunkland for five years of boot camp. Amen. There were some hard days. Mr. Hugh told Tyler and my wife said we had to recreate the wheel for Jerry Jenkins. We had to rewrite the rule book for him. Amen. I should have been gone. That's what he said. His words, not mine. But they did do that because it was like God was putting me through the fire. What the interpretation just said, I thought I was the only poor one going through anything. 
I wanted a wife so bad. I was I stood I stood on the front front row. I stood in I was in five weddings. I seen people, five people get married, and I was in every wedding, and I'd go home to my bed and I'd cry and say, God, what about me? He said, I'm teaching you to love me more than you love anybody else. Well, God, I've been here longer than they have. God, I, I was saved before they were. God, I'm in a higher position than they are. Lord, I've been in leadership longer than them. Why are you giving them a wife? He said, because I'm doing something different than you, son. I'm teaching you to love me more than you love anybody or anything else. And so I would just weep and I would cry and i say, God, what about me? He said, I got you. God was getting Jared prepared for where we are today, but where we're going. God knows best. You just have to trust him in the process. Amen. He said, even though they were armed, I better tighten up. He thought they might return to Egypt. Instead, God led them along a route through the Red Sea wilderness. My God. Instead, God led them along a route through the Red Sea wilderness. Well, that don't sound fair. There wasn't no Red Sea this way. Now I come this way and there's a block that's got me. There's an enemy that's behind me. I don't think God knows what he's doing. That way there's not no sea. That way it's shorter. You mean God's going to take me the long route where there's a sea here? How am I going to get through the sea? You see, a lot of times the way that God does things don't make sense to us. We think that God should, so what do we do a lot of times? We're going to help God out. Well, this way makes more sense. I don't see the sea. I don't know how we're going to get past these barriers in our life. It don't make sense a lot of times why God does what he does, but we have to trust the process of what God is doing. So the King James Version says, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that way was nearer. For God said, Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. But God led them about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away from hence with you. You see, there was responsibility that they were bringing out of Egypt. There's responsibility that you are carrying in your life, so it is very important that we follow the directions of God and not the will of man. Amen. It's very important. Father, I ask that you would help me and anoint me these next few moments, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, God, the first, I want to talk to you about three things today. God knows best. God is a providential God. God opposes proud. He opposes the proud. Amen. But he gives grace unto the humble. And God is a powerful God. And God really don't need our help because the battle's not ours to begin with. It's his. God is a providential God, amen. The word providential means involving divine foresight or intervention. There's a path, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, there's a path that seems right to a man in the beginning, but thereof in the end it leads to death, amen. And let me just say this, God knows what's best for mine and your life. God knows what's best for us. Three things that God knows that we may not always know. God knows us. Can you say amen? amen? But the thing about it is a lot of us really don't know us. A lot of us think that we're better than we really are. A lot of us think that we're capable of doing things. We, we don't think we're capable of doing things that we're really capable of doing. You see, a lot of us are very prideful and we think, oh, I would never do that. Yes, you will, and so will I. We are all capable of doing the worst of the worst. There's a murderer in all of us. Amen. There is wickedness in all of us. So don't look at somebody else and think that you're greater than they are. It's in every one of our flesh. Amen. So you have to know you. Paul knew who Paul was. He said, when I want to do right, he said, I don't do it. I end up doing the very thing I don't want to do. Paul knew Paul. He said, who will save me from this life of sin? He knew himself. I can tell you that one of the greatest people you better know, you better know what you and you better know what you're capable of doing. You better know that always and keep that in the forefront because then you stay at the cross and you know that it's only by the grace of God that you're able to have and do anything in this life. 
I know what I'm capable of. So therefore, I don't put myself in some circumstances and situations. I know what that world says. And so why does the Bible say abstain from the very appearance of evil? You've got to know you. And you've got to know maybe what others think about you. So some things you can't put yourself around certain people or places because they're automatically going to think something. So live higher than that. Amen? Know what you're capable of. God knows us. The second thing God knows, He knows our enemy. God knows our enemy. And listen to me. God knows the outcome of our life. God knows the outcome of what was going to take place in our life. God knows us, God knows our enemy, and God knows the outcome. God knows the outcome if we don't follow God, and God knows the outcome if we do follow God. There's blessings or curses, Deuteronomy 28. He tells us the outcome. God knows those things. We may not, but God is a providential God. He knows and he can see ahead of us what we may not can see. And so God knew. He said, all right, now that Pharaoh has let you go, praise God for that. But let me tell you, now you got to move forward. You may come out of your sin. You may have come out of your addictions. You may have come out of your religion. You may have come out of those places. Thank God for that. But what now? What's next? Because even though you're delivered from these things, you still better know how good God is and that God knows best for your life and my life. God knows best for Grace Fellowship Christian Church. I just have to get in line with him. God knows best. We dug the first piece of dirt off that building three years ago next door, but God knew best. God knew best whenever they dug them footers that 18 inches of rain was going to get in there. God knew best. I didn't understand that. I know Brother David surely didn't. I know Brother Rafe and Brother Chris and them men that was out there helping, they didn't understand that. Why they had to dig again and again and again. But God knows best. We have to trust that God knows best for our lives. Amen. And God knows exactly what he's doing. And a lot of times when God is moving us in a different direction, we can't lay claim to Satan for blocking what God is trying to do in our life. Amen. You see, many times we blame the devil for things that God is leading us on a path path of protection. Can I tell you, God knew best for the children of Israel. Pharaoh might have let you go. I know this way seems best. I know this way seems shorter, but I know that there's a giant. There's an enemy in that land. Amen. The Philistines were one of the greatest enemies to God and God's people. Amen. David began to deal with them Philistines, but I'm telling you, God knew that there was an enemy, and if you go the route that is shorter, I know you may be armed for for war but you're not ready in your character there's a lot of us you may have giftings you may have anointings but your character's not ready to go face anything that God knows you're going to face and so what does he say I'm building your life a little bit longer I'm building your character a little bit longer Jared you may feel called Jared you may want a wife but you need to stay where you are a little bit longer because there's going to come a day that everybody's going to turn their back against you you're going to be talked about. You're going to be ridiculed and if you're not in love with me in a place that you're in love with everything else and everybody else then you'll be willing to get out from underneath the cross and you'll forsake the cross and you'll forget about the cause. but oh when that character brings you to a place of crucifixion and there's nobody left but you and Jesus it don't matter who walks away from you, who turns their back on you, it don't matter what war you fight. Listen to me church God knows best for our lives. It may seem quicker over here. It may seem shorter over here. But when God says don't go that way, my God don't go that way. God said this way is longer. There's a sea this way. Oh, but God's a way maker. It's nothing to him to part a sea. But it is something to him. When you face an enemy, you're not ready for He's a providential God. God knows best for us. Say God knows best for me. God gives us shepherds that oversee our lives. And sometimes, can I tell you, I'm not saying a pastor or a shepherd knows everything. But God entrusts them. God spoke to Moses here. God dealing with Moses. He said, Moses, don't you lead them that way. Because there's an enemy here. The Philistines are here. They're not ready for it. I know they're armed. I know they look like they're ready and they may even think that they're ready but they're not ready to go that way. 
Amen. You see, the Philistines was ready to wear them out. The Philistines was set up. Amen. They were ready for war. Listen to this. The Philistines, I lost my place. God knew best for them. The Philistines were set up and they were ready for war. Amen. And if the children of Israel would have went that route, then the Philistines would have came at them because they were set up. They were ready for them. They were ready for, for them to come that way. But here's the thing God knew best because there was an enemy that was still after them. Not only would they have to fight and face the Philistines, but Pharaoh was still coming after them. Because Pharaoh was going to get word, oh, they've left Egypt. And so what happened? Pharaoh began to pursue them. So not only would they fight the Philistines ahead of them, but Pharaoh was going to come up behind them. Amen? And so now they're going to be faced with two enemies. But God knew all of that was going to take place. God knew their heart. God knew their life. And God knew that they were not ready to face and fight the Philistines. Amen? God knows our enemy better than what we know our enemy. We may think that we're super spiritual and super smart in spiritual warfare, but let me tell you, none of us really are. We may see things better today than we did yesterday, but let me tell you, the enemy is very smart. The enemy is very divisive. The enemy will come to you and say, let me help you build this new church. Well, a lot of us in our immature will say, come on, come on and help us. Come on and help us. Woo, we welcome all the help. We welcome it all. And it's a tactic of the enemy. But a lot of times if we're not open our eyes to those things, like we said Wednesday night in the book of Ezra, that enemy is smart, he's divisive, and he's looking for a gap that he can come in. God knew their enemy, and God knew their enemy was stronger than them and that they were not ready to face that enemy. God knows the outcome if they would have went the shorter way. God knew that that enemy would have killed them. And they would have ran in fear and went and said, well, I, what is this even worth anyway? I'll just go back to Egypt. The tactic of the enemy is to get us to go back to bondage and say it's not worth it. And so God said, I led them a different route. I know it don't make sense. It's longer. And I know it don't make sense because there's a sea. But let me tell you, the, the agenda of God was this. He knew that Pharaoh was his greatest enemy. He knew that Egypt was where bondage lied. And God said, I have to take them through the way of the sea because I'm going to drown their enemy. You see, if they'd have went this route, all I know to do is just this is the Red Sea way and this is this way. Amen. Brother Michael, you be a Philistine for me. Will you, will you stand right there? Brother Marcus, you're going to get behind me. You're going to be Pharaoh. I'm going to just be the children of Israel. So if I'd have went this shorter way, this seems right, right? The only thing, I don't see the Philistines right now. But I know Pharaoh. Pharaoh's let me go, but it won't be long that Pharaoh's going to get word. That I'm about to take possession of my promised land. And so guess what he's going to do? He's going to get his horses and chariots and he's coming after me, right? Isn't that what Exodus 14 says? That he heard about what happened. Oh, we done let them go now. So guess what he's going to do? He's going to come behind them. So if I take this shorter route, Brother Mike, guess what? God knew that there was an enemy here, the Philistines. So I'm, I'm not ready for them. Although I'm ready for war, it looks like I'm ready. But I'm really not because God knows my character. God knows I'm really not ready for this way. There's a path that seems right to a man in the beginning, but in the end it what? Leads to death, right? Because God knew this enemy and God knew this enemy. And so guess what? If I would have went this way, I'm fixing to be closed in by two enemies. <laughs> Although it seems shorter, Brother Lewis. It seems better this way. This seems like the easy way. And over here, man, if I come this way, there's not an enemy here. I can look ahead of me, but there's a sea there. How are we going to cross over that sea? Now over here, there's only one enemy coming behind me later, but I'm just walking out smooth sailing. But now there's a sea over here. But what's going to happen when I come to the sea? Our God's a way-making God. Amen. I said, our God's a way-making God. You see, a lot of us put ourselves on this path, and God said, no, 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 I told you. We want God to remove the Philistine. <laughs> we don't want God to part the sea. We want God to deal with this devil over here. Well, God said, no, 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 you chose this way. I'm not dealing with the devil. <laughs> I told you I'd part a sea, but you didn't understand this way. I'm a way maker over here, but I'm going to let you have your way over here. You chose this way, so now you're going to be faced with the Philistine and you're going to be faced with Pharaoh. You're the one that put yourself in this position. I had nothing to do with it. I told you to go this way. Even though it didn't make sense to you, you thought you knew better than I did. 
So I'm going to let you stay over here if that's what you want. There's two enemies here. There's one sea over there. That's the way. And I can tell you on this way, God's a way maker. I don't care what you face. It don't matter what barrier stands in the way of you and God. It may, may, may not make sense to you and I. When God says go this way, we have to go that way. I can tell you it don't make sense in the middle of, of, this commu- of, the, of, of what's going on in the world. I can tell you it don't make sense with gas prices going up, wood prices going up to build a new sanctuary. It don't make sense, but I can tell at the end of this thing God's going to get all the glory for it God's going to get all the glory it don't make sense the way God does it it would have made sense to build the church over there and not over here but God knows best and what he's doing but I can tell you this at the end of the day he's a supernatural God and this way God's going to get the credit there's only one way they could get and possess the promised land and that was Moses now you stand at the brink of the Red Sea how you going to get to the other side lift up your rod and I'm going to be the way maker. You're going to walk through on dry land. I can tell you this morning church, our God is still a way maker and he's trying to get us all from doing things our way. Get out of the routine. Get out of the religion because there's an enemy ahead of you. There's a devil behind you and if you follow your way, it will end in death. But if we follow the way of God, he's a way maker. I'm telling you church, we're going to walk through on dry land. Somebody praise Hallelujah. Thank y'all. Hallelujah. He's a way maker. God had an agenda. And it was bigger than me. You know why? Because God knew. Number one, my greatest enemy was Egypt. And if I ever face that enemy there, I'm going to run back to Pharaoh. I'm going back to Egypt. I'm going back to bondage. Can I tell you that's why the Bible says... Don't put too much on new converts too early because <laughs> they'll go back to Egypt. You give them too much, they'll go back to Egypt because it gets hard. Hell don't like this, I promise you. Amen. If I could, I would gladly say, here you go. Take this. I promise you. I promise you it's a, this is the easy part. <laughs> this right here is the easy part. Amen. I'm telling you, you'd gladly let it go. Brother Russell, we had a great meeting this morning. He said, he said, leading worship. He said, you find hell. He said, I'd gladly let it go if I could. But you can't. You know what I'm saying? You can't because this is your post and this is your position. Amen. Melvin Sanchez said something this week. He said, anytime you move from your post, he said, hell invades it. You leave your post and your position, hell will invade it. Every time. It don't matter what it is to the smallest of details. You leave your position, hell will invade it. Look at David's life. He left his post, hell invaded. Hell invaded. That didn't all have to happen. Bathsheba, losing a child, none of that had to happen. Murder, none of that had to happen. But he left his position and his post, so hell invaded. Amen. That'll happen every time. It don't matter if it's in the nursery, if it's on this platform, if it's in this pulpit, or if it's out there doing what God's called you to do out there. You leave your position, then hell will invade it. And so God had an agenda. He said, number one, I want my children to be victorious. I don't want them to go back to Egypt. Can I tell you, if God tells you to go this way, it's not punishment. It's his providence. He knows best. So God's trying to get us to trust that he knows best. Don't go this way. You're going to die here. You're going to go back to Egypt here. And so God said, go this way, even though it's longer, even though it's, it's, you're going to have to do things you've never seen before. Just trust me in it, brother. Just trust me. There's a sea here. Okay. That sea's nothing to me. There's a God at this sea, and I'm greater than that sea. See, God knew that if Pharaoh's going to die, it's going to have to be this way. <laughs> if that devil's going to be drowned, brother, it's got to go this way. It's got to be here. Because not only is God going to part the sea, Brother Ashley, but God's going to drown his enemy in that sea. You see, God knows best. God knows best. The Bible goes on to say over in Exodus chapter 14 that they went this route. They got to the brink of the Red Sea. Pharaoh was behind them, 600 horses and chariots. Moses could hear the sound of the enemy, mountain ranges on both sides and a sea ahead of them. 
Amen. What are we going to do now? What did God say to Moses? He said, lift up your rod. Lift up your rod. And so when he got to the other side of the sea, what did God say to him the second time? Lift up your rod, Moses. And now the enemy's moving in that sea. Their horses and chariots moving in that sea. And that sea parted back over top of his enemy. Not only a type of the baptism, but not only whenever we go down and that new life comes up, can I tell you, there's a finished work of Christ. There's a finished work of Christ. That enemy that was falling behind me, he can no longer have his way in my life. The Bible says the enemy you see today, you will see no longer. I don't know about y'all, but that excites this preacher. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It may be 830 service, but that still excites this preacher. Amen. He said, get ready today because the enemy you see today, you shall see him no longer. Amen. You see over here, he knew there was an enemy they would continue to see. But on this route, he said, there's an enemy that if you'll just follow me this way, the enemy you see today, you shall see him no longer. Amen. I believe it's the last scripture in the book of Exodus chapter 14. Amen. Let me just read this to you. Here's what the Bible goes on to say. Verse 26. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea that the waters may come again. Somebody say the waters are going to come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remained not so much as one of them. The enemy you shall see today, you shall see him no longer. Listen to this. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the middle of the sea and the waters were a wall unto them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the shore and Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Now listen to me church. God knows best for mine and your life. God knew on this route that that enemy was going to swarm them and swallow them and push them right back into Egypt and they would face Pharaoh and they would be in bondage for the rest of their days. But this way was longer. There was a sea ahead of them but God said I'm a way maker God. You may see barriers. You may see a sea. But if you'll look up and lift up your rod, Moses, then I'm going to cause you and your children and your people to walk through on dry land. Church, listen to me. It's more than just dry ground. I said dry land takes us to possess our promises. I said this the other day. We don't need to despise the dry times or the dry spaces or the dry places because they bring us in to possess our promises in our life. You may be in a dry place, but it's carrying us through to walk through to the other side. Church, hear me today. God knows best for our lives. He knows best. God knows best. Hallelujah. God knows best for all of us. God knows that this route, I'm going to drown that devil. Not only are you going to be baptized, but I'm going to drown him in the same waters you just walked through. I'm going to drown the devil in the waters that I just allowed you to walk through. God knows best. God knew that if Pharaoh was going to die, if Pharaoh and his, his army, horses and chariots, were going to be ended, then it had to go this route. Amen? Two different ways. But God knows best. God knows best. I honestly, I, I, I never paid attention until this morning. That sea wasn't this way, but it was that way. <laughs> a lot of times, a lot of barriers in the way that God does things. What's up, buddy? <laughs> barriers. But God's a God that's greater than the barriers. God's a God that's greater than the Red Seas and the Jordan Rivers and the lion's dens, and the fiery furnaces. <laughs> Amen. God's greater than all that. The Goliaths, they're nothing to God. Those things are nothing to God. But that is the way of the Lord. Daniel had to go through the lion's den. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to go through the fiery furnace. There was no way around it. David had to fight Goliath. He had to. There was no way around these things. There's no way around some things that God leads us to, church. God knows best. He knows best. God would do away with the enemy at the same time he was giving them victory. Amen. Listen to this. One commentary says, They would have returned to Egypt, judging it more eligible to continue in their former bondage than to fall a prey into the hands of such fierce and cruel enemies. This is the only reason mentioned for not leading them this way, but there were other secret reasons for it, which afterwards opened up in providence. As the doing that wonderful work for them, leading them through the Red Sea as on dry land and the destruction of Pharaoh and his host in it, and by being brought into a wilderness, a solitude, that would have been in the fittest places to receive and attend the body of laws given them and where they were formed into a commonwealth and church state. Hallelujah. This is the beginning of where they would take possession of their promised land of Canaan. God knows best. He knows best. The second thing I want to tell you is that pride, pride will be opposed by God. Pride will be opposed by God. Second Samuel chapter 21. You know, King Saul's a, a type of a king after the flesh, full of pride. From the very beginning, even when they chose him, his height, his stature, surely he's the man. And so immediately, immediately Samuel was still caught up in the same routine of that. He came and saw Eliam. And he said, boy, this surely looks like him. Well, God, <laughs> you know what that got you into last time, right? <laughs> You've been grieved, right? You didn't want to pick up this horn of oil and go anoint anybody else, right? Samuel, don't make the same mistake. He said, so God looks at the heart, not at the outward appearance. Amen. And so Saul's a type of king after the flesh or our flesh. Second Samuel chapter 21, there was a famine in the days of David three years, year after year. David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered, it is for Saul and for his bloody house because he slew the Gibeonites. And the king called the Gibeonites and he said unto them, now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. And the children of Israel had sworn unto them. And Saul sought to slay them in his zeal to the children of Israel and Judah. So Saul didn't agree because they weren't part of Israel. And so he's going to take matters into his own hands and he's going to help God out. Anybody ever done that? He's zealous. You ever seen some young Christian just so full of zeal, ready to fight hell with a water pistol? They're ready, but give it a month and let hell come against them for a minute. Oh, now we're running in fear. You see, Saul, a type of the flesh, in his zeal, put his hands on the wrong people. They were an enemy of God, but Joshua made a covenant with the Gibeonites. Can I tell you, God is a covenant-keeping God. I said he's a covenant-keeping God, and you touch you let somebody touch God's anointed. I'm just talking here for a minute. You let somebody touch God's anointed. I don't care how they came in. Can I tell you, if you read in the book of Joshua, I believe it's chapter 9. I got it marked there. But can I tell you the way the Gibeonites came in? They lied. They flat out lied to Joshua. But the Bible says Joshua didn't inquire of the Lord. He just believed what they said. They said, we come from a far land. They said, look at our shoes. They're wore out. Look at this food we got. Look at our leather. Look, look at everything's wore out. Our wineskins are wore out. Our shoes are wore out. We come up from a far land. Really, they were just neighbors. Huh. So Joshua didn't inquire of the Lord. So Joshua just said, I tell you what, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And nobody better never lay their hands on you. And so now they were brought in. They were woodcutters and water carriers. <laughs> Let me just be a woodcutter and a water carrier. Hey Amen. I'll be all right with that. Because they were in covenant relationship with God now. So they were God's anointed and God's chosen. And they were in covenant with him even through a lie. My God. 
How did you come in covenant with God? I know how I came in covenant with God, but today I'm, no, I'm in covenant with God. I'm not a dopehead anymore. Now I'm his son. And so let me tell you, touch not God's anointed and do his prophet no harm. Now I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about any. These are the Gibeonites. But zealous people do that because they think they know better than God. Are you with me? Saul full of pride. And so let me tell you what happens. Here's what happens. It's a dangerous thing. It's so dangerous that it destroys the next generation when we think we know better than God. You don't believe me, do you? So Saul in his zeal killed the Zibionites. In verse 3, Wherefore David said unto the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And wherewith shall I make the atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? You see, David's wanting to get things right with God. Because can I tell you, David is paying for Saul's zeal. A lot of us see Saul and his zeal. Boy, isn't Saul doing a great thing? Isn't he doing a great thing? They're, they're not part of the children of Israel. Look at him go. Look at him. Listen to him. Boy, he's doing a great thing. Just look at him go. Boy, he probably had a lot of Facebook likes. <laughs> he's defending God. Look at him defending God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, till the next generation comes up. <laughs> you see, some things we don't see till the next generation comes up because God's so patient. He's so long-suffering. That's why we have to know right now. We have to look deeper, Brother Chris, into the things that God is saying and showing right now. Because guess what? I'm going to give an account for the next generation too. I am. So we have to see today and make decisions today that are wise and not arrogant. Not boastful. Not about me for the next generation. Because now David is paying. David is paying. So now David says to the Gibeonites, what shall I do for you? And wherewith shall I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said unto him, Well, we will have no silver nor gold of Saul, nor of his house. Neither for us shalt thou kill any man in Israel. And he said, Then what do you want? I will do it for you. Listen to this. And they answered the king, The man that consumed us, that devised against us, we should, that we should be destroyed from remaining any of the coast of Israel. Let seven men of his sons be delivered unto us, and we will hang them up to the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord did choose. And the king said, I will give them. I think this is the first time that Miss Georgia came to church. The lights went out Mother's Day, and I preached on Rizpah. I'll never forget that day. You've helped change my life since then. God's used you in my life since that day. Mr. Jimmy, it's been a pleasure to see God moving in your family. So Rizpah, this mother, had to see her sons hanged on a hill. You know why? Because Saul, their father, put his hands where it didn't belong. In his zeal, he thought he was helping God out. Many of us think we're helping God out in our zeal, in our passion. Oh, I'm helping God out. But there's another David that there's a famine in the land. Why is the famine in the land? Because some preacher in his zeal touched what God told him not to touch. Some churchgoer put his hands where they didn't belong. And you wonder why there's a drought now. You wonder why there's a famine now. You wonder why Rizpahs are having to stay up all night and all day to keep the animals at night from taking their children. We want to know why there's, a, why there's a generation that's hanging on a cross. We want to know why there's a generation that people give up on. Because we put our hands and our mouths where they don't belong. Why is there a famine in the Holy Ghost? Because we put our hands and our mouths where it don't belong. And so somebody, somebody's going to have to give an account for these things. Somebody's going to have to give an account. We wonder why the Holy Ghost didn't flow in the house. Maybe you've touched what God told you not to touch. We wonder why. We wonder why the church seems to be. But it's time that we get some wrist paws back in the house. And we fight for the living the way she fought for the dead. 
It's going to cost a generation if you touch what God's doing. See, my God and your God, if you're a believer, he's a covenant-keeping God. I said he's a covenant-keeping God. And you may not agree with it, and you don't have to understand it. Just because the Gibeonites came in one way, they still came in. <laughs> they may have lied to get in, but Joshua made a covenant with them and said, anybody that touches you is going to be in trouble. They're nothing but water carriers and woodcutters. Boy, they're least on the totem pole, aren't they? And they lied to get in. But I can tell you, they were still under grace. Whew. And so you put your hand on them, Saul. I don't care how anointed you were. You put your hand on them, Saul. I don't care if you're king or not. Somebody's going to pay. Somebody's going to have to deal with it. Listen to me, church. God knows best for our lives. God knows best. Amen? God knows best for us. Pride will get in the way of the working of God. Pride will hurt the next generation. And pride will cause us to kill a generation. Are you hearing me? God knows best. In our zeal, be careful. I love zealous people. But stay that way. Ten years from now, stay in your zeal. Don't just be zealous the day you get born again. Don't be careful. You get born again or touched by God. Go put all that mess all over Facebook. And then a week later, you got worldly stuff all over Facebook. I said we kill a generation by things that we do in our zeal. We kill a generation because people end up looking at that and saying, well, well, they were on fire yesterday, but look today. We kill a generation. And so then somebody has to just fight the buzzer guy, fight the beast off, and protect the living. Somebody's got to protect what God's doing. Somebody's got to be a wrist paw. Her name means burning with hot coals. Somebody's got to burn with real zeal. Saul, Saul had a fleshly zeal. That woman had a burning passion within her. He's a providential God. God, pride will be opposed. But listen to this. God is a powerful God. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Why did I call you to the altar this morning? Because praise is a powerful thing. Praise is a powerful weapon of our God against the enemy. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 15. Listen to me all you people of Judah. Judah means what praise? And Jerusalem and you O king Jehoshaphat. He exclaimed the Lord says don't be afraid. Don't be paralyzed by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Who's the battle belong to? God. You see, Saul had no place in touching the Gibeonites and fighting a battle that didn't belong to him. What does the Bible say right here? Whose battle is it? It's not ours, but God's. So why are we trying to help God fight battles that he don't need our help fighting anything with? Why are we too busy saying, bring it on, devil? Why are we too busy trying to ag a battle on to our life? Why? Do we know what we're doing? Don't go looking for battles. Don't go looking for war. We're not ready for that. There'll come a day we'll come back with Jesus and we'll be victorious. Amen. We're going to be victorious. We're going to win the war. The war's already been won. But we just have to walk in the grace of God right now for our lives. Don't put your hands and don't get yourself in battles that you're not called to fight. Amen. There'll be enough battles that come to you that you won't want to fight. Don't go pick one. <laughs> Don't go pick a fight. My God. Stop. Stop. Be who Christ has called us to be. Walk in the grace of God. Walk in the authority of God. And let praise go first. Amen. What did I say Wednesday night? Ezra chapter 4. The enemies of Judah and Benjamin. That is our strength and that is our praise. The enemy is after our praise and the enemy is after our strength, GFCC. You have to know this. We must know this. Who's going to play? Is Ray playing? Seth, come on, brother. We have to know the enemy is after our praise, church. So why do I? Why do I I'm not begging you. I'm pleading with you. I'm beseeching you. GFCC, we're a people of the altar. 
We're a people of praise. Lay, stay here. Lay your life here. Amen. Stay in this place of the altar. Let praise go first. This battle's not yours but God's. Listen to this. Tomorrow go down and attack them. Now God gave them permission. Because God's saying, I'm sending you now. Now you can go down and fight because this battle's mine. Listen. You will find them coming up the slopes of Ziz and the end of the valley that opens in the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not need fight. <laughs> well, God, you send me to the battle. Now you're telling me I don't have to fight? That's exactly right. That's the grace of God. I just need you to go. <laughs> I don't need you to fight. My God, is that not a good father? Is that not a good God? I just need you to go. You're not going to have to lift a hand. Whew. That's a powerful God, isn't it? I don't need you to go that route. I just need you to go this route. I don't need your help. Somebody say, God don't need my help. But God needs my humility. Has anybody in here ever tried to help God out? Be honest. No. <laughs> How'd that get us? <laughs> Where'd it get us? You see, God needs us to be humble, but if we try to help God out, He's going to humble us. <laughs> I promise you, He's going to humble us. God will do it. Well, that don't make sense, God. You, you, you want me to go fight. You want me to go, to, go, go down there, but you don't need my help? <laughs> That's exactly what He's saying. He said, but you will need not fight. Take your places and stand quietly. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. That just messed me up. Stand quietly. <laughs> Woo. Anybody else in trouble there? Walk around the walls. <laughs> Walk around the walls and don't say a word. I don't need your help for these walls to come down. I need you to hush your mouth and get in line and get in order. <laughs> I don't need your help. Monty, that's Monty, ain't it? She, yeah, you're in the back seat. What's she trying to say? She's going to help God out? Yeah. <laughs> She's a good helper, got her out. Her. <laughs> Is that good? Good helper, got her out. Her. <laughs> Teach on that tonight. <laughs> he said, but you will need not fight. Take your places, stand quietly, and see the incredible rescue operation God will perform for you. Wow. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I'm going to read that again. Amen. Take your places. Somebody say, I'm going to take my place. I'm going to stand quietly. And I'm going to see the incredible rescue operation God will perform for you. Woo. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen to this. O people of Judah, you praisers and Jerusalem, the promises of God, don't be afraid or discouraged Go out there tomorrow for the Lord is with you. Somebody's fixing to get their place back today in service. Would you stand with me?